For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to SteelDealers.com. Now... Here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. The sturgeon season on Black Lake, Michigan lasted exactly 36 minutes this year as over 500 anglers competed to reel in one of the six fish allowed to be taken. The season was scheduled to run from February 5 through 9 or until the six lake sturgeon quota had been reached. With so many anglers fishing all at the same time, that didn't take long. The season opened at 8 a.m. on February 5 and ended at 8.36 a.m. the same day. The Michigan Department of Natural Resources had originally set the limit at seven fish, but they knew that with so many anglers, two fish could easily be pulled at the same time, so they dropped the quota back down to six. Anglers were allowed to use spears as well as hooks and lines. According to the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, five of the caught sturgeons were male, one was female, and they ranged from 46 to 62 inches and 23 to 67 pounds. These particular fish aren't what you'd call elusive. All six have been previously caught by either the Department of Natural Resources or Michigan State University. The biggest, a 62-inch, 67-pound male, had been captured every year of the spawning run from 2002 to 2020 which means he had 18 chances to learn his lesson. But he thought about that when he wasn't tossed back in the lake this time around. Department of Natural Resources law enforcement officials were scattered across the lake to monitor the catch and announce the end of the season once six fish had been caught. Anglers were required to report when they'd harvested a sturgeon, and all 565 anglers on the lake received a text message each time a fish was caught. Lake sturgeon are a threatened species in Michigan, commercial fishing is prohibited, and if you couldn't tell, sport fishing is closely regulated. 
The Michigan Department of Natural Resources uses streamside rearing facilities to allow young sturgeon to imprint on a specific river in the hopes that they'll return to that river to spawn as adults. The facility that stocks the Black Lake is located on the Black Lake River, and the DNR stocks hundreds of sturgeon in the upper Black River every year. This week, we've got the Bad Bill Roundup. That's right. Get ready to hit rewind, because you won't want to miss any of this. It all pertains to you. I'm going to take a minute right here to just give you a disclaimer on the Bad Bill Roundup. For each bill, I'm going to announce what state it's in. Like Idaho, you know, California, Washington, what have you. Keep in mind, uh, when I'm saying those words, that doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you if you don't live in that state. Every single one of these bills applies to you if you like to be outside and fish or dangle a worm in a creek here and there. You need to take these examples and be aware of what's going on in your neck of the woods because I promise you something similar is. We're just living in that time and you have got to hold your elected officials accountable. Now, jumping back to my week, I had a productive week, but... uh, you know, not for like super fun reasons. I had my very first non-emergency care adult doctor's visit since uh, high school. Got blood drawn and blood work done. Got a tetanus shot that was highly recommended. And I just got the results back from my uh, blood drawing. And according to the doc, she said, you know, just keep on trucking. Don't change a thing for another 39 years is what I believe she said. So that's good news. As a bit of a celebration, I cooked up the last of my big Lake Cascade perch, fried them in a little bacon grease, and they were real, real tasty. One interesting thing, you know, I'm kind of beat up from, you know, seasonal employment and guiding and swinging a hammer on a bunch of jobs and falling off of roofs and all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, I got like some achy joints and some swelling and whatnot, and there was a suggestion that I try to cut out gluten for one month. Not because gluten's like the root of all evil, but apparently it's an inflammatory, and the doctor suggested that I just try and kind of see what happens. She also suggested that I work in a little non-alcoholic beer into the mix. But, you know, one step at a time here, Doc. Today is an unusual one. Uh, We're looking at gluten-free beers. Anyway, in other news... I went ice fishing, and while I was navigating around the unmaintained dirt roads next to the lake, Snort launched herself out of the open window in the vehicle. We were doing about 25 miles per hour. Very surprising. Shocking. Was immediately relaxed not to feel a bump under the back tire. Apparently, she just needed to poop really bad. I only include this here because it's a great reminder to all of you dog owners, no matter how well-trained you have your dog, they can and will surprise you, which is why the really smart people don't deal with surprises anymore, and they just commit to putting the dog where it belongs in a strapped-in dog box. Keep in mind, I'm typing this with Snort by my side. At this point, she's managed to wedge herself under my right elbow, making typing a bit awkward and slightly painful, if I'm being honest. Probably says something about whether or not I'm going to be using that dog box. All right, moving on to the Bad Bill Roundup. And we have no shortage this week. Hey, you Tennesseans. HB 1674, 
would transfer ownership of the 12,800-acre Yanali Wildlife Management Area from the state to Murray County. And remember, Murray County is where I've been turkey hunting for a couple years now, and that's spelled M-A-U-R-Y. Jason, you are the father. For all of us northern folks, that's pronounced Murray in Tennessee, as in Bill. For relaxing times, make it Suntory time. If successful, the county would remove the management of the state's wildlife resource agency and commercially develop the area. The Yanali WMA was created from land claimed by the Tennessee Valley Authority for planned construction of the Columbia Dam, which never came to pass. That land can't legally be returned to its original owners, and it is now important wildlife habitat, which is also enjoyed by a ton of people. And it's near these incredibly fast-growing areas on the outskirts of Nashville. They've seen a lot of influx, just like any surrounding rural area to a metropolitan area has in these COVID years. It's a very important place. If you think this place is better served creating clean water and clean air and housing animals than a bunch of people in condos, call your representatives and let them know that they should vote against HB 1674 so that the Yanali remains under TWRA management. Here's a fun fact for you. The Duck River that runs right through Yanali is one of the most biologically diverse rivers in the entire United States. Hey, you Kentuckians, House Bill 395, which would remove the state's Department of Fish and Wildlife from the executive branch, where it's overseen by the governor, to become its own freestanding branch of government, which doesn't sound like a bad idea. However, this bill would also allow the Department of Agriculture to appoint four of the nine fish and wildlife commissioners, whereas now the public chooses nominees and the governor appoints them. The interests of hunters and anglers and the interests of agriculture are both important. Sometimes they're very symbiotic, but that much ag influence over fish and wildlife would disrupt the balance that we need to maintain. Kentuckians, call your representatives. Or, as another option, there's a form letter that you can use through the BHA website, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website, to take action on this one. Vermonters, Senate Bill 201 would ban foothold traps, and Bill 281 would ban hunting coyotes with dogs. Bill 129 essentially does away with an independent fish and wildlife board altogether. Right now, Vermont's board is made up of one member from each of the state's 14 counties appointed by the governor and limited to one term. Bill 129 would allow the state legislature to appoint eight of the board members, which, if you do the math, divide 14 by 2, eight would be a majority, a controlling interest that would turn the board into a potential rubber stamp for changes made by the legislature. And judging by the anti-trapping and anti-hunting legislation they're introducing this term, well, It's going to be up to you as to how you want your state game commission to operate. Send an email to testimony at leg.state.vt.us and weigh in on bills 201, 281, and 129. Idahoans, HB 507, would allow lighted knocks and expandable broadheads for archery hunters. Regardless of your personal beliefs on those technologies, reach out to your state reps and let them know that weighing in, writing laws on lighted knocks and expandable broadheads 
is just a poor use of their time as a state representative. A better use of their time would be to allow the state fish and game to use the public process that is in place already to adjust these rules and regulations regarding hunting and fishing in the state of Idaho. Idaho Wildlife Federation has a good form on their website to oppose this one. Again, if you love expandable broadheads and you want lighted knocks or you want or don't want anything else in the fishing and hunting regulations, there is a process in place already. All you got to do is contact Idaho Fish and Game. Leave your state reps out of it. It's only going to get worse from here. This is a good place to throw in a reminder that tenet number six of the North American model of wildlife conservation is science is the proper tool for discharge of wildlife policy and practicing biologists are typically better at science than old stodgy senators. If you need a good example, look at the state of Louisiana. The state's Wildlife and Fisheries Commission proposed a slate of changes from electronic hunting tags to adding days to seasons in specific wildlife management areas. And, as they are mandated to do, they invited the public to make comments on those changes with a set ending date of March 3rd. With that public input, the commission will then decide, based again on that public input and science, on what to do with these listed issues. And next year, if conditions on the ground change, these measures that they made that included this public process can then be reversed as necessary or changed or augmented as necessary. Whereas if you get the state legislature to vote on something, it's going to be a law for a long time, no matter if the world changes and it becomes a very bad law. Changes like that on the legislative level can take years or decades, whereas if you follow what's already in place with your state agency, those rules and regulations can be implemented, withdrawn, changed a heck of a lot easier. Moving on with a quick stop at the access desk. A judicial update out of Colorado, the Court of Appeals, has ruled in the favor of 80-year-old angler Roger Hill, who in 2018 was forced off of a stretch of the Arkansas River by the owners of the surrounding land. Unlike other western states, Colorado's constitution does not protect the public stream access by stipulating that the underlying riverbed belongs to the public. Rather, the Colorado Court of Appeals ruled that Hill's access must be determined by the, quote, navigability at statehood test, which is used by the U.S. Supreme Court. That means that if this section of the Arkansas was used for commerce, at that time it could have been floating a raft of timber or beaver pelts or whiskey, all the way back in 1876 when Colorado became a state, then the riverbed cannot be private. That final determination is still open, so you can expect a ton more lawsuits and talk on this topic. It's also possible that Colorado could set up a board to decide which of the state's rivers are or are not navigable, which would preempt a lot of these lawsuits. Bottom line is, if you're a fan of access, you should be paying attention to this one. If you're a fan of the U.S. Constitution, you should be paying attention to this one. The United States could not become the United States if it weren't for navigable streams and rivers for commerce. And jumping back over to Wyoming for an update on corner crossing. If you recall, four hunters crossed from public land to public land at the intersection of four sections of land. 
Please go to TheMeatEater.com for the in-depth history of this one by Sam Lundgren. He did a great job. These hunters were charged after some serious debate with criminal trespass by a Carbon County attorney, again, for walking from public land to public land. Well, at the end of January, the attorney representing one of the hunters appealed to have the case dropped on behalf of all of the hunters based on federal law that, in theory, supersedes Wyoming state law that says that corner crossing is not trespassing. In fact, keeping the public from accessing public land is illegal, and therefore the case should be dropped. Again, if you're a fan of access or you just don't like to see good, hard-working Americans prevented from walking from public land to public land, uh, you need to be paying attention to this one. As Sam writes in his summary of the situation, the state of Wyoming, plaintiff in this case, now has the opportunity to respond to this motion, which will eventually lead to a hearing and the judge issuing a decision on it. Those familiar with the process don't expect the dismissal with prejudice requested, meaning that the case couldn't be brought up again, as in it's been decided, but it remains possible that the judge could throw the case out and dismiss the charges against the hunters. But if the motion is denied, then this case will go to trial and things will get much more interesting from there. In a very short amount of time, Wyoming backcountry hunters and anglers sent up an alert, so to speak, for a request of funds for these hunters to help them out in a pinch. And hunters from all over the nation donated over $60,000 in a very short amount of time. Here's a good reminder for you, too. If this judge drops the case, all the money, minus the legal fees, is going to go to Wyoming Access Yes, which is the incentive program for private landowners to open up public access to parts of their ground or all of their ground, which is a super good deal. Big bucks, big bulls, and lots of birds get killed on access yes ground all the time. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance axis deer populations, 
on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild axis deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA, and they can commercially sell axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt axis, I did not kill one, which is where Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy for folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, venison.com, and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Now, here's a couple of bills that we do want to get behind. First off, Recovering America's Grasslands Act still needs co-sponsors. Lots of good federal cash dollars for public and private interests who want to provide more habitat, more drought-resistant grasses. Remember, tall grass makes fat cattle. Call your congressional representative today and ask them on behalf of the birds, the bees, the bucks, and even the antelope to co-sponsor the Recovering America's Grasslands Act. Next, in Virginia, SB8, allowing Sunday hunting on public lands passed the state Senate easily, but a similar assembly bill allowing Sunday hunting just on wildlife management areas died in committee. That means that a version of the broader Sunday hunting bill will now move to the assembly. We'll let you know when that bill appears, so get ready to contact your assembly reps in support. Similarly, in Pennsylvania, Senate Bill 607 would allow Sunday hunting across the state. No doubt many of you have already reached out to your reps on this one, but no harm in doing so again. And another good example to pay attention to, If you remember, Colorado Senate Bill 22-031, which set out to prohibit shooting, wounding, killing, or trapping a bobcat, Canada lynx, or mountain lion, after an intense public outcry, has died in Colorado's Agricultural Natural Resources Committee. Opposition was so vocal that three of the bill's four original sponsors dropped their support. Not because those co-sponsors are now pro-trapping, but because they were reminded by their constituents over and over again in phone calls, emails, and public testimony that you don't need to be pro-trapping or anti-trapping. They just want you to be pro-science-based management, and that should give you like a warm and fuzzy feeling all over. In Virginia, House Bill 725 would have prohibited all steel jaw traps. The bill was defeated by a 4-2 vote in the Natural Resources Committee. Again, you don't need to be pro-trapping on this one, but eliminating all steel draw traps as a blanket statement would cause a lot of issues outside of your purview. Do some research on that one. And in New York State, Bill A6182 would have made wildlife management units 3H and 3K subject to statutory antler restrictions, which sounds terrifying if you say it out loud. The bipartisan bill passed both houses of the New York State Legislature unanimously, but Governor Kathy Hochul vetoed it nevertheless after a memo of opposition by backcountry hunters and anglers. Politicians love being praised and will seek out similar praise in the future. So call up the New York governor's office and let her know how much you appreciate the veto of Bill A6182 
especially given the fact that it likely ticked off her state's entire legislative branch. Why are wildlife management bills in the legislature? If you don't like the way your state is managing wildlife, go to the Wildlife Management Agency and make sure they know your interests. Moving on to South Dakota. A South Dakota man was charged last summer with 14 counts of deer poaching after he gunned down whitetail and mule deer that he claimed were eating his pine trees. Last month, John T. Widos, a 71-year-old resident of Spearfish, South Dakota, pleaded guilty to seven of those poaching counts as part of a plea deal. He was fined just over $13,300, will spend 15 days in jail, and will have his hunting license revoked for one year. In court transcripts obtained by an animal cruelty nonprofit in South Dakota, Widos claimed that what he did wasn't really poaching. Instead, he characterized killing the deer as protecting my property. Whitetail can do numbers on pine trees in the winter, but most state fish and wildlife agencies have programs, as South Dakota does, that can assist landowners with problem animals. Widos didn't reach out to the South Dakota Game and Fish Department. Instead, according to court transcripts, he allegedly admitted to killing as many as 100 deer, in addition to the animals he was actually caught poaching. One law enforcement officer told the judge it's the most severe level of deer poaching he's seen in his eight years on the job. Next up, West Virginia. Officers with the state's Department of Natural Resources recently issued a whopping 223 poaching-related charges against eight individuals. The alleged poaching activities involved 27 antlered bucks taken with spotlights from September to December last year. To make things even more interesting, two of the suspects were Mineral County Sheriff's deputies who resigned after the charges were filed. The only felony charges of the bunch were leveled against 55-year-old Christopher Biggs, who was appointed EMS Chief of the Allegheny County Department of Emergency Services in 2019. He was charged with felony forgery and felony conspiracy and has been suspended from his job. The eight individuals face a huge variety of charges, including spotlighting, illegal wildlife possession, hunting in a closed season, hunting from a vehicle, nighttime hunting, and exceeding yearly deer limit, among others. The individuals all knew each other. Some of them were related, and some of them were romantically involved. Yes, I did say West Virginia, but don't let your mind go to the gutter. The case began when officers with the West Virginia Natural Resources Police were tipped off to one of the suspects, 24-year-old Colton Broadwater, who'd been spotted spotlighting a buck. Broadwater rolled over on his girlfriend. Safe to say those two probably aren't together anymore. Then they pointed the finger at another suspect. And safe to say, you know, the whole birds of a feather type of thing, like uh, if you want to soar with the eagles, don't uh, surround yourself with turkeys. Don't want to get in trouble, don't hang out with bad people. The investigation is still ongoing, and additional charges may be filed. And last but not least, according to a recent study in the journal Current Biology, hippopotamuses in the Maputo Reserve of Mozambique respond to the vocalizations of unfamiliar hippos by whipping their tails like a fan and spraying dung over a wide area. Isn't that a neat party trick? Inhospitable behavior like this, either to defend territory or ward off threats, has some pretty wild manifestations across the animal kingdom. The aquatic species, Aplesia, also known as the sea hare, squirts a cloud of ink to evade predators. The ink changes color based on what it's been eating, so it can be vivid pink, orange, or purple. Honeybees use excrement, or poop, to roll out the unwelcome mat. A recent study by the team at the University of Guelph in Canada showed that honeybees in Vietnam warded off attacks by murder hornets 
by collecting chicken, pig, and water buffalo dung and building defensive mounds at the entrance of their hives. Researchers found that hives with the poop ramparts were less likely to suffer breaches from the resulting hornet mayhem. That's a good lesson for you kids. Sometimes the toughest, nastiest bullies in the yard don't like to get their hands dirty. Certain harmless animals even ride the coattails of their unwelcoming neighbors. The phenomenon known as Batesian mimicry produces critters like the Borneo grasshopper, which looks almost exactly like a completely unrelated species, the tiger beetle. The grasshopper has none of its own defenses, while the tiger beetle is an aggressive predator that can move as fast as two and a half meters per second. The harmless insect has a higher rate of survival because animals higher up in the food chain give anything that looks like a tiger beetle a wide berth. Here's a fun fact for you. This one's from National Geographic. The tiger beetle can run so fast that it blinds itself, which sounds crazy, but I hate to break it to you, Nat Geo. Any species is capable of running so fast it blinds itself. I was at some wild parties in my youth. There are 2,600 species of these long-legged predatory insects, and the fastest can sprint at 172 body lengths in a single second. The cheetah, in comparison, sprints at 16 body lengths per second. In human terms, that's 600 miles per hour. And I don't want to be harping on you on this legislative stuff, but if something seems bizarre and totally out of left field, chances are it is. These folks that are making up the laws are responding to the constituents that write in, call in, befriend them, and make their presence known. You need to do the same. If you don't, you're going to have somebody representing you who sounds like this guy. Additionally, if you open this up to ice fishing, while on the surface it sounds good, then what happens next year? Does someone come back and say, I want an ice shanty on Hudson Springs Park for X amount of time? And if you then allow ice fishing with shanties, then that leads to another problem. Prostitution. And now you've got the police chief and the police department involved. Just data points to consider. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please write in to AskCal, that's A-S-K-C-A-L, at TheMeatEater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. And spring is coming on fast, meaning that you are going to have to get back after your yard, so why not make it easy on yourself and look like a pro while you're doing it? Go to SteelDealers.com and find a local, knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They will get you set up with what you need, and they're not going to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui 
while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.